This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. Because our scripture today talks about Moses wearing a veil and about taking his veil off. And here we are today wearing masks uh, when we're out in the congregation. And I just thought it was a little ironic. But um, even over the last couple of years, as we talk about veils and masks, you know, it's something that we've had to do off and on. And here in this place and not that place. But if you don't remember the story of Moses' veil, um, God gives the people, probably most of you, as you think of, as I read some of this, you're going to think of Charleston Heston. And the Ten Commandments, remember that movie? I mean, I'm dating myself, even I remember that movie. Um, but in case you remember, uh, God gives the people the Ten Commandments. Uh, he calls Moses up to Mount Sinai, and Moses is up there for a bit, receiving plans for the tabernacle and the tablets that the uh, Ten Commandments were inscribed upon. Upon returning to the Israelite camp, though, Moses finds that in his absence, the Israelites had decided to create a golden calf to worship and thus breaking the law that God had actually given them before Moses went up to the mountain. So in anger, Moses smashes the Ten Commandments and destroys the golden calf in fire. God invites Moses to come back up the mountain to receive the law again. Apparently he should have got a backup copy the first time. But he comes back up and, and Moses meets with God and he begs for pardon for the people. And so God forgives them, gives two new tablets to contain the Ten Commandments... And Moses spends longer up this time. He spends 40 days and nights with God on top of the mountain. But after spending this time in God's presence, Moses comes back down the mountain. And, his, and scripture tells us his face was shining with the glory of God. Now we don't exactly know what this would have looked like. But we know enough that it was frightening to his brother Aaron, the high priest. And it was frightening to the people of Israel. Um, in my mind, which is always a scary place to be. Um, I kind of picture Moses having this really bad spray tan or a really bad sunburn, like really, really bright red face. Um, but because of this, Moses wore a veil um, for an untold amount of time. We don't know how long Moses wore the veil for. Um, we see that he wore a veil, and then that's the last we hear of it. But this is important context for our, our message today. Um, I'm going to reread the first few verses that we just read a moment ago. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There's a lot, a lot to digest here, but... We don't really read anywhere else that Moses was keeping his veil on for an extended period of time. Um, but Paul makes it sound like Moses kept it on because he didn't want the people to realize that the glow was fading. But I think what Paul was actually trying to do is, is just establish a contrast for Christians and how they should be living. His, I think he's establishing that you, know, you should constantly be in the presence of God and have that glow about you. So I think that was his point, is that Moses not being in God's presence... Um, but I, I think about it this way. When was the last time, as Paul puts it, 
that the hope of your faith made you live boldly? Like, when's the last time you lived with bold hope? I'm not even sure what would this look like that because of our faith in Jesus Christ for us to live with a bold hope. Well, it seems like Paul is putting down the Jews a little bit here um, because they were refusing to see that Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, he's making that comparison that, that because they don't believe in Jesus that they're still, they're still wearing that veil Moses wore. I think Paul was also experiencing, or speaking to his own experience. Paul writes in verse 14, But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains. When the old covenant is read, it has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. See, as you recall, Paul was a staunch Jew. Paul, Paul was, would actually persecute people. Paul um, you know, was against Christianity in the beginning. All of this until Paul had his experience on the road to Damascus. And if you remember the story, Paul was left blinded after his experience with Jesus. And, and later he was, he was, his sight was restored and, and he was changed. He was a changed man. And Paul lived the rest of his life zealous because he saw the change in him from before he knew Christ to after he knew Christ. He had that experience of actually meeting Christ on the road to Damascus. And so what Paul is saying that it wasn't until he met Jesus that his own veil was removed. But Paul then goes on to say in verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. For Christians today, there's a danger that we could easily fall into that trap that Paul is talking about here. In the story I shared earlier, the people had created a golden calf because they got impatient and tired of, of waiting on God. And they wanted a God that they could touch and feel. They wanted a God that they could control and shape into whatever they form they wanted. So because of this, their hearts were hardened or veiled to what God was trying to do amongst them through Moses. And as Paul puts it, their minds were dull. The question I have for us is how does this translate to us, Christianity, in our world today? In verse 17, Paul said, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I believe today that we are not living with the freedom that God gives to us. Now we claim that we have freedom, and then we'll turn around and protest things. We'll whine, we'll moan about our freedom being taken away, and we'll ask for the manager anytime we're slightly inconvenienced. But the truth of the matter is that we have become slaves to ourselves and to this world. We've become our own masters, and we've become so caught up in our own wants and desires that we don't realize the chains that we have placed upon ourselves. Like the people in the story, we've created God in our own image. Our hearts have become veiled, and our minds have become dull to the things of God around us. And Lamont said, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image, when it turns out that God hates all of the same people that you do. As Christians, I think we need to unchain ourselves from our own selfish and sinful human nature. We need, we need to unchain ourselves from the desires of the things of this world. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be a part of this world. It doesn't mean we should go off and live in a compound somewhere. I have to admit, on Facebook, I've seen those things where which house would you rather live in and that log cabin in the woods looks pretty pretty appealing, away from people out in the woods. But also, um, 
my wife has introduced me to enough horror movies that I know how that ends up. So I'm a little hesitant about that one. But what it means is that we need to live in this world differently, especially than we are right now. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to be in the world, but we need to be in the world not living and trying to find power and control, which I think is what a lot of Christians are trying to do, is we're trying to, instead of, of living as Jesus and be missionaries in this world and show people a different way to live, we're trying to pass laws and do things that policy people into belief, and that's not how it works. You can't force somebody to believe in something. They have to come to that belief, and the way that we teach them that is by how we live, and they see the difference that our belief makes in our lives. Paul writes, goes on in verse 18, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I think what all of this is going to require of us is greater transparency. I mean, can you honestly say that every day you're being transformed into the image of Christ? Some days I look a little bit like Jesus, other days, not so much. <laughs> but see, I think about Moses, that we've kept our veils on too long. We've hidden our struggles with trying to be like Jesus. We've turned our eyes to the world and are afraid that others are going to find out. So you know what we do? Is instead we point our fingers at everybody else. Instead of dealing with our own sin and our own stuff, we point to other groups and other, other people and other places See, we need to address that log in our own eye instead of that speck in our neighbors. I think it is time for us to remove our veils, and call them masks if you want, to come clean and hand over our hearts and our lives to Christ. I think it's time for us to admit to the world, you know, we've kind of done a really terrible job of being like Jesus, and we need to fix that. Our passage today ends like this. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. There's an entire sermon in that passage, but you're not going to get it today. But see, I think some days it's so easy to lose heart because of what we see, because of the pain and the suffering that we see around us. I don't know about you, but my heart is breaking for the people of Ukraine right now. I'm constantly following on social media and looking at what's going on and praying about it, and, and my heart breaks. But it doesn't stop there because my heart is also breaking for what I see in our own country, the, the ignorance and the hatred and the division and the violence. My heart breaks for that as well. See, I think it's Far past time for Christians to renounce, as Paul puts it, our secret and shameful ways. It's time for us to stop focusing on what we perceive as sin in other people's lives, to focus on the sin in our own. I think it's time for us to stop distorting God's word, to, to stop using it to beat down other people, twisting it to say what we want it to say. It's time for us to make God, and it's time for us to stop making God in our own image. Instead, it's time for us to go into the world to be like Jesus and to love others without exception. I saw a quote this past week that said this. 
and I don't know who it's from, but it says, if the truth makes you uncomfortable, don't blame the truth. Blame the, the lie that made you comfortable. See, the truth is, and as I approach my 50th birthday this week, the truth is, we've left behind a mess of a world for future generations. We've created a society that is much more difficult to live in than the one that was handed to us. And I think it's all because we tried to make God in our own image. And because we made ourselves, our wants, our needs, our desires, the Lord of our lives. So this morning, my question to all of us is, which God do we worship? Do we worship the God that we've created in our own image? The God that has the same likes and dislikes as us? The God that votes like we do? The, the God that looks an awful lot like our skin color, our nationality, our sexuality? Are we worshiping the God that loved the whole world so much that he sent Jesus to earth? To show us how to live. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he showed us and how he lived. We thank you for what he showed us and how he did. We just ask today that you would help us to make him the Lord of our lives. That we would try to be more and more like him each and every day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.